Father, I thank you again for today. Um, I thank you for the evidence that we see every single day in our lives of your presence and of your goodness and of your grace. Lord, I, I thank you for what we've just seen this morning and know and in the changing of seasons and just all that you're doing in this place. It's, it's obvious, Lord, that you have revealed yourself to us in so many different ways and we're thankful. And I pray that as we dive into your word today, that, Lord, you, uh, you would just speak to us about what it means to, to really be grateful and to live a life of thanksgiving and to be content in each and every circumstance. God, you are an amazing God, and we're so grateful for all that you've done, especially for what you've done for us through the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm in Walmart, and I'm picking up lights to put around the outside of our house uh, for Christmas uh, decorations. It's, um, the, the other day it was like 70 degrees, right? And anybody else like me think, man, this is a perfect day to hang Christmas lights. Anybody with me on that? I'm the only one. All right, very good. Okay, two of us. All right, that's awesome. Uh, rest of you a bunch of Scrooges, I guess. That's all right. That's all right. Lord, Lord will deal with you later, I guess. But anyway, I'm shopping for Christmas lights, and I'm going through all of the, uh, the aisles, and, and it just dawned on me that here, here I am walking through Walmart. It's 70 degrees outside. Uh, it had only been a couple of days since Halloween, and they're playing Christmas music, Okay. And no, no Thanksgiving, of course, there's not a lot of Thanksgiving songs out there, but, but uh, there's no, no mention of Thanksgiving, uh, Veterans Day, uh, just, we just kind of breeze right by that. We go straight out of Scare You to Death Halloween into The Lord Came to Save You Christmas, right? Nothing in between. People decorate their yards with vampires and goblins and witches and all that sort of thing. They take those down and then they put up Frosty and they put up the Grinch and they put up Santa and maybe a nativity seen here or there, but no Thanksgiving anytime at all in that point other than maybe, you know, uh, a, a turkey in a yard or something like that. But did anybody else get fired up about this or is it just me? Okay, good. We're getting a little bit more uh, with it here now, all right? We go straight from Halloween season to Christmas season, and here's what I want to do. I want to push pause for just a moment on this uh, uh, tradition that we do out of Halloween into Christmas. I want to push pause on that and declare today at East Columbus Christian Church, this is the beginning of Thanksgiving season. Can we get a whole season of Thanksgiving? It should be more than just the day, I think, you know, today officially kicks it off and I hope y'all are good with that. And I want to ask ourselves these three questions uh, in Reference to living our lives, being more thankful, being more content, understanding what God has blessed us with. These three questions I want to kick off with is, first of all, what's most important in my life? I want you to ask yourself, to genuinely ask yourself, what is most important in my life? And secondly, how do I fully live so that when it comes my time to meet the Lord, I'm ready to meet the Lord? Number three, how will I leave a legacy that benefits those that I'm leaving behind? And how will the things that I do in this life build something that's going to carry with me into eternity? Okay? So ask yourself those, those questions. First of all, what's most important? How do I live? 
fully so that when I'm ready to die, I'm ready to meet him. How am I going to leave a legacy? And then how am I going to build something into this life that's going to carry with me into the next? I believe that there is a desire in each of our souls to feel significant. I believe that God has wired us in this way. I believe God has wired us to want to have a purpose, to have meaning in our lives. We all want our lives to matter. I think we do anyway. So what is it that can give us that significance? What can we do that makes our lives seem like they matter? And I believe that, that our jobs, uh, our possessions, maybe our investments, our families, our service uh, to other people, those kinds of things can add to our lives, but those sorts of things should not define who we are right? Those are just added bonuses in our life. If we want to live our life on purpose, if we want to live our lives that re for, and do something that really matters, and we want to be content in this life, there should be some underlying qualities in our lives that lead to that. In other words, there should be some things that we should be accomplishing in our lives to help us find that significance. And I'm not talking about, you know, uh, accolades or what we achieve or anything. There's some things that we need to be doing to help us accomplish this for our lives. I'm going to propose to you this morning that if we want to find contentment, if we want to find peace, if we want to find purpose, then we need to be practicing a lifestyle of thanksgiving. That's an absolute key component. You say, okay, that's great. I feel like I do. I feel like I'm a thankful person. I mean, how many of you really think, just be honest with yourself, I feel like I'm a thankful person. What does that look like? What does Thanksgiving look like? Not Thanksgiving Day. We know what that looks like. You know, we stuff ourselves and then we watch the Lions lose and the Cowboys win. And then, and then we go and we, uh, we stuff ourselves with more food the second time around. And then some of us go shopping. That's not what I'm talking about. What does a life of Thanksgiving look like? What does gratitude look like? Well, a definition of gratitude is the practice of actively remembering and expressing the grace and goodness that we don't deserve that God has bestowed in our lives. Let me read that again. Gratitude is the practice of actively remembering and expressing the grace and goodness that we don't deserve that's been bestowed in our lives. And so we need to learn to express our thanksgiving for what God has given to us because I believe that God has hardwired that into us. God has hardwired this, this need to express Thanks. We can look all throughout the Bible. We can see all kinds of different stories throughout the Bible. I could pick a ton of them. Today I want to focus on one, the example of Noah. Look at Genesis chapter 8 with me. We're going to be verses 15 through 20. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If not, we're going to have the scripture on the screen for you. Genesis chapter 8 verses 15 through 20. Then God said to Noah, come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground, so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on land came out of the ark, one kind after another. And then verse 20, here's the kicker for us. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. 
So Noah and his wife, or, and his, their, their three sons and, and his three sons' wives, and, and all of these animals that are on the ark, they're, they're on the ark for almost an entire year, and Noah walks off the boat, and he builds an altar to the Lord. Noah's first recorded act when he left the ark was an act of thanksgiving. It's an act of worship to the Lord. How many of you have ever been on a long trip, like let's say to Florida, and you got a van load of kids in the car with you, right? you got small kids in the car, and about every half hour you hear what? Are we there yet? Okay, right, right. And, and, and then, you know, your siblings, they're asking this every half hour, and then they're smacking one another, and they're picking on one another, and, and they're, they're, they're whining, and they're complaining, and they want something to drink, and they got to go to the bathroom, and after about 15 hours in the car, you finally get to Florida. How many of you say, praise the Lord, right? And so here we've got Noah, right? He's in the ark. Imagine being in the ark with all of these animals... For almost a year, you're not sure whether you're going to live or die. You've got the stench of all of these animals that had to be dealt with on a regular basis. I've just got one cat in that litter box sometimes, you know, just a little bit not great. You've got all of these animals and all of the stench, and and, and when you get off the ark... You're going to be kind of like Noah, I would think, right? You're going to be so grateful you can't help but praise the Lord for delivering you. And when we read this story, this act of worship sometimes gets skipped over. I don't want you to miss it. And, and if we're not paying attention, we can. We dig into this. We see this is an extraordinary act from, from Noah because nowhere in Scripture was Noah given the mandate that you need to do this. Okay? Noah had been on the ark for almost a whole year. He walks off the plank. He makes this conscious decision. He says, the very first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to praise God. I'm going to say, thank you, God. Again, God did not instruct him to do this. At this time, God had not given any commandments. He hadn't made any mandates regarding worship. Organized religion was not even a thing at that time. In fact, it was a thousand years later before any organized religion ever starts. And Noah and his family, they had only been, uh, you know, they're the only followers of God. They're in this this world right in the middle of all of these pagans, and he instinctively knew that the right thing for him to do is give thanks to God and worship Him. And so he offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And that wasn't the norm of the day. During that time, you know what would happen during that time? The pagans would sacrifice people so that they could make their gods happy in hopes that the gods might smile on them and they would have good fortune. Noah did not need to sacrifice to God out of hope for good fortune or in an effort to keep God happy. His heart was so full of gratitude that his response was to build an altar and to worship God. And I want you to put yourself in that scene for just a moment. A solid year. You're living inside of this dark ship. It's not a cruise ship by any stretch, not even close. Big old boat built by a bunch of amateurs that probably don't even know how safe it was. It's drenched with the smell of animals and this mess of every animal on earth. You're inside this dark ship. You're being tossed back and forth by the wind and the waves, the torrential downpours. And the ark finally comes to rest on Mount Ararat. 
And you get to walk outside of the ark for the first time in almost a year to fresh air and to light. What do you imagine your first act would be? I, I would hope it would be very similar to Noah's. You would be so thankful. You'd, done, you'd have done the same thing. You'd, you'd build an altar and you would worship Him and you would praise Him and your thankfulness would just overflow for what God has done for you. And how do you suppose God would react to this? Let's take a look. He responds with a promise and a blessing. Look at verse 21 and following. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma. Now, now the one thing I had to think about here for just a moment, my mind started messing with me just for just a little bit, and I'm thinking, all right, God put all these animals on the ark, and now here Noah's going to take some of them and kill them and burn them. And I'm like, okay, so is that what, I mean, is that what happened to some of the animals that used to be here? You know, is that why they're extinct? Now, I, here's what I think those animals were having other animals in the ark too. So they had to deal with that kind of a mess as well. So anyway, that's just a side note. You don't even need to put that in your notes. That's just my little gift to you this morning. All right. And so the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though Every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. So the Lord is pleased with what Noah has done. Noah has chosen the right thing to worship God. He says, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. And then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And so as soon as that aroma reaches heaven. It touched God's heart. And the Lord responded by saying, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to curse the ground again because of man's evil heart. I'm never going to kill every creature like I did before, except the ones that I saved. And, and God blessed Noah. Now understand, because I think there's this tendency for us to want to do things hoping that God is going to bless us in a certain way. Understand, this blessing that God gave to Noah wasn't because of what Noah earned. It wasn't anything that he earned. This blessing was not because Noah was just this stellar ship captain and he kept the morale of the crew really high and, and, and it wasn't because he built the ark exactly to code and he did everything he was supposed to do. It wasn't because of the way he took care of the animals. Noah's blessing was not received because of his obedience, even though that happens sometimes. In this story, Noah was blessed because he chose to worship God. And that pleased him. That pleased the Lord. Because his heart was thankful. And that overflowed into an act of worship. And an act of thanksgiving. God blessed him. Now I want you to stop and think for a moment. About how we worship. How did you worship today? Was it an overflow of thanksgiving? Was it something that was so deep within you that just overflowed in praise to God? I, I, I got to be honest, I have a tendency sometimes when I go to other churches or I go to a conference, sometimes when I'm worshiping, I'm not, I'm not doing a very good job. Sometimes, maybe it's because of my musical background, I have a tendency to go, well, that, he didn't sing that very well. You know? Man, I don't like that song. 
man, that was a little slow. Uh, that wasn't my favorite style of music. And we come in and, 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 and we kind of grade the worship service rather than coming in worshiping God and just letting our thankfulness overflow. And I'm not saying that God is just going to pour out His blessings on you just because you worshiped Him better, just because it's more heartfelt, just because it's more authentic. But I do think there is a direct correlation in authentic and heartfelt worship and a connection to God that you didn't feel before. You know, if we walk out of a worship service and we say, well, you know what, I just didn't feel much that day or it didn't do much for me. Here's the deal. Our worship is not for you. And that might be painful to hear. Our worship is for God. Our worship is to, like Noah, maybe build an altar. I mean, don't really do that. That could get like really burdensome in here. But in your mind, say, all right, Lord, I'm laying myself out there completely. Everything I have is yours. And, and I am so thankful for what you've done for me at Calvary and all that you've done in my life and in my family's life. I want to express it in my worship. And we do that because of God's grace. That's the second thing. We express this thanksgiving because of God's grace. The English word for gratitude comes from the Latin word gratia, which means to give thanks. And the Bible takes this one word definition a little bit further. As we dig into the Bible, we see that this word gratitude is the word eucharista. I think I've put that in the notes for you. Eucharista. No, it's not where we get our word euchre from. Although that'd be kind of cool, right? Uh, we Hoosiers like our euchre, right? Eucharista means gratitude, which stems from the word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. Charis means grace. It's, it's an act of favor or of goodwill or of loving kindness from God that we don't deserve. And so Eucharista is an offering of thanks out of the abundance of grace that God has shown to us. It is to give thanks to the Lord with pleasure and delight because we have received pleasure and delight from His grace. See, it's not a horizontal practice. It's a vertical practice. It's not just this give and take, this to and from. God doesn't just travel one way. It's all over. Eucharist is reciprocal. It's a cycle of giving and receiving all at the same time. There's a, there's a word that our church, when I grew up uh, it, it, in, in a church that was, uh, it was very legalistic and it was very, very just uh, condemning. But one thing that they did, that they did talk about, we didn't practice it very well, but they talked about grace abounding. Grace abounding all, all around us. The Bible tells us that God does not desire a sacrifice just for sacrifice's sake, but He delights in our expression, our declared adoration and praise of Him. That's, that's what touches God's heart. It's not just showing up and checking something off of your list. It's an outward expression of how thankful we are of God. And so when we choose to practice gratitude and we choose to worship Him because of the grace that God has freely offered to us and we freely offer that back to Him and others, that touches the heart of God. It's more important to mention that the gratitude we're talking about is much more than just a thank you utterance to God. 
Practicing Eucharistia flows out of a sentiment of thankfulness. The gratitude for God's grace. Let me ask you, church, are you thankful for the grace of God on your life? I hope so. That should spill over into everything else that you do. It demands that we express a response. It's kind of like a, a story that, that I heard about a, a police officer. He responded to a man who was threatening suicide. He was getting ready to jump off of a high building. The officer arrived on the scene. The man on the ledge uttered, uh, no one loves me. No one cares if I die. He keeps inching out to the edge of the building. And, and he says, no one will miss me if I'm gone. And the officer said it was as the man's despair was very evident, painfully evident. And he kept repeating this sentiment over and over and over again. And other uh, officers arrived on the scene and they're trying to talk him off the ledge but the first officer he realized the situation's getting worse and worse and he, he might possibly jump at any time and so the officer witnessing this man's pain said all he could think of in that moment was I love this man I care for this man I, I, I've never met him but for some reason something instinctively loves this guy enough to not let him do what he wants to do or what he's about to do. And so this was what the officer offered to the man who was on the ledge, this, this intrinsic feeling of love that he had for him. He basically says to the guy, don't jump. I love you. You are loved. You're not alone. Someone cares for you. I care for you. I love you. And the officer kept saying this repeatedly over, over, over again. You can look this story up on the internet. There's actually videos of, of it happening. Uh, and this officer is speaking to the man on the ledge. And the surrounding officers testified that these words brought the man out of a trance of despair, knowing that he was loved by someone. Someone that didn't even know him, that convinced him by his actions, by his words, that someone loved him. The man finally came down from the ledge and the reporters asked the officer why he felt this way toward a man he didn't even know and the officer replied something to this effect. He said, I just, I just felt that I loved him even though I didn't know him. I felt that I loved him and it broke my heart to see somebody who felt like they were so unloved. He said, I know that I'm loved and I'm the recipient of so much love, I felt like I could genuinely love him because I'm so loved. See, that's God's grace poured out on us. That's an expression of God's grace overflowing to someone else. When we receive God's grace in our lives, that's the way it should be. We should naturally want to express that thanksgiving, that grace toward other people. And we don't always know how it's going to come out. How many of you have ever been burnt by expressing love to someone or expressing gratitude or thanksgiving to someone and you just really pour yourself out to them and then it seems like they kind of dump on you? Has anybody ever done that? Sure it happens. We don't know how it's always going to come out. We don't know how it's going to be used. But when grace is received, it desires to be expressed. In other words, if you receive grace, you, I think God has hardwired it into us that when you receive so much grace and you're fully aware of it, you can't help 
but extend that to someone else. And so we need to recognize God's grace in our lives because it's essential. That's the third point this morning. Recognizing God's grace in our lives is absolutely essential. And it's easy to recognize God's grace in our life when life's greater needs are met. You know what I'm saying? When everything's going well, when we're the recipient of a lot of good things and, and uh, um, you know, it's, it's, more, it's easier to be thankful when we've got all of these good things going on. But then when something bad happens, sometimes we don't, we don't necessarily see all of the good things. I think children are a perfect example of this. As parents, one of our biggest tasks is to raise children to be polite and uh, to say thank you. That's one of the first things that we teach them to say, right? You're at a child's birthday party and say, hey, make sure you tell your friend thanks for the gift. Thanks for coming. You're at the grocery store. Maybe the baker at the grocery store gives out a free cookie or a free sample of something like that. And Hey, tell him thank you. You do that without even thinking about it, you know? What do you say, right? Your children trick-or-treating a couple of weeks ago and they go up to complete strangers' front doors and they load their bags with candy and sugar them up and parents say tell them thank you yeah do you realize what you're saying mom you realize what's happening here but we teach our our kids to have this response of gratitude for this free and undeserved gift right as parents I would venture to say that some of our most humiliating parenting moments arise from a child's ungrateful behavior. Would you agree with me on that? When words and actions are perceived as disrespect. How many of you have ever witnessed an ungrateful child in a grocery store? Yeah, right, right. All right. How many of you, that was your child uh, in the grocery store, right? But when it comes to the smaller graces in life, or better put, what, what some people call the subtle graces in life, because we don't necessarily feel them all the time, right? They're a little more hidden. They're a little more subtle. They kind of sneak in on us sometimes. We often fail to recognize God's abundant grace in our lives because uh, we're focused on other things. Maybe we're too busy or maybe we just want the big stuff or whatever. But when God does hear me offer grace for His grace in my life, when does that happen? Is it only at the dinner table? Is it only when we go to bed at night before we go to sleep and we're talking to God or when we wake up in the morning? How does my response to grace sound? Do I contemplate His grace in my life? Do I say thank you? Is it an intentional reflection of the goodness and the kindness that He has given to me? Or do I just repeat the same four lines all the time? Just kind of like, you know, again, like worship. It's just something we check off of our list. Saying grace is just something we check off of our list. Do I take the time to consider moments of God's goodness and moments of God's kindness throughout the day? When I wake up in the morning, do I say, as David said, thank you, God, for another morning with new mercies? Or do I wake up in the morning grumbling about all the aches and pains that I have and, oh, I got to get up and I got to go to work and it's cold and it's snowing out now and my feet are cold, the house is cold and we don't have anything for breakfast and we, you know, we're just kind of complaining the moment we wake up instead of saying, God, thank you for just allowing me to wake up. Some of you who have dealt with aging parents and they get forgetful and they maybe even have been diagnosed with 
dementia or Alzheimer's, but you get that moment of clarity and they recall a warm memory. Do you thank God for that? For having that shared moment of remembrance? Those of you who are following your kids around, watching them play ball, maybe a soccer game or you see him score a goal, you see him make a basket, you see him help out in a touchdown, or you, you see him sing in the choir or act in a play. Do you take time to recognize that it's only by the grace of God that you're there attending that game or that performance? Are you thankful that you even have the resources to help them do what they do? You know? Or, 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 or thank God that, that your child even has the mental capacity to perform in something like that. Or to see how they do in the classroom. Do you thank God for the fact that your child is able to perform well in the classroom? Are you thankful for our servicemen and women who have fought for our freedom? Last Thursday, you know, our, our gang set up the flags and that's always awesome. That's always great on that day. Um... A lot of posts on Facebook about every third post that I saw on Facebook on Thursday was in honor of, of our veterans and thanking God for them. But what about today? Are you still thankful? Have you thanked God for that today? You know, When we slow down to recognize God's grace in our lives, that's when we're going to desire this Eucharista that I talked about a moment ago, right? It's God's grace all around us and in us and working through us. God's grace abounding. And so then we have this desire, this willingness to show and receive gratitude. There's a, there's a, a ritual that's tucked in the middle of the Passover story that is often unnoticed. And unless you're familiar with with uh, that Jewish tradition, you probably don't recognize it. But before the Passover, uh, the Lord gave clear and precise instructions to the Israelite people regarding the Passover event. This is what I want you to do. The Israelites are getting ready to leave Egypt and the ritual and the practices of the Passover tradition. I don't want you to forget them. And so here's what I want you to do. And so he directs the Israelites to do this. And speaking on behalf of God, here's what Moses tells the people in Exodus 12, 24 through 27. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as He promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. And then the people bowed down and worshiped. Now you might be wondering, what does this passage have to do with gratitude or grace? I want you to hang in there with me for just a moment. I think God knows how forgetful we can be as humans. I think God knows that as we go about our busyness of life, we have this tendency to forget about His grace in our lives. I think that God knows that sometimes nations make mistakes and they commonly repeat the same mistakes if they forget their history. God knew that if He didn't set some future practice in motion that the Israelites would be in danger of forgetting just how much God blessed them. They would forget His extravagant grace, and this significant event would be lost 
to his people. And this lack of remembrance, this lack of gratitude, um, it would just carry on for generations after if God didn't institute something for them to do. And so when the children of Israel would ask, why do we practice the Passover? The parents would say, well, God wanted us adults to remember the Passover with gratitude because of what he did for us and saved us from Egypt. And although the word gratitude is not mentioned, it is implied here as part of God's salvation, ongoing salvation work. If they wanted to live as a nation of significance, they had to remember what God had done for them. So the Passover was more than just a ritual. It was remembering God's grace. I think it's interesting as we close and our worship team comes, it's interesting to me And it's not a coincidence that God instituted this thing we call the Lord's Supper. We call communion because He never wanted us to forget what He did for us at Calvary. And so we do that here in this church every week because we don't think it's too much. We don't think it becomes burdensome or boring or ritualistic. It's something that we want to share with God every week. And it's also interesting to me that some churches call the Lord's Supper or communion. You know what they call it? The Eucharist. What does Eucharista mean? When we understand God's blessing on us, we can't help but pour that grace out on someone else. I think that's also why God said, hey, if there's something that's going on between you and another brother, you don't don't even gather around the Lord's table. You can't be a recipient of my grace if you're not willing to extend the grace to someone else. The Eucharist. God's grace coming into us, overflowing to other people. The Lord's Supper. That's what Jesus did for us at the cross. And maybe you're here today and you've never expressed your love for God. You've never confessed Jesus as as the Christ. You've never repented of your sins or been baptized into Him. Today would be a great chance to do that. Or maybe you've already done that, but maybe your worship has just become more, I don't know, religious something that we check off of a list instead of letting that gratefulness overflow in how we worship. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and we're going to sing this song of decision. And if there's anyone here today that has a need, we encourage you to come. If you're watching online, feel free to text the word ready to our church connection number that you see on the screen. And we'll reach out to you as as soon as we possibly can and talk to you about maybe a decision you you want to make. Let's pray together.